you need power to move. If we never fight, it's a battle we'll always lose. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Groundswell Podcast. I'm so excited to be here with Tiffany today, a great member of our team. Tiffany, could you please introduce yourself? Thanks, Nora. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate this opportunity just to sit and chat with you about Resilience Hubs. I'm Tiffany Lawson. I'm one of the new-ish members to Groundswell, and I am the Resiliency Program Manager. When I introduced you, I was going to say new, but I know you hit that 90-day mark recently, but um, you know, even though you haven't been here for super long, you're already hitting the ground running, and we're really excited to have you here. So, you know, being the Resilience Program Manager, I think it would be really helpful to kind of contextualize Community Resilience Hubs. So if you could explain what is a Community Resilience Hub and how do they work? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to give a little bit of background information before we jump right into Resilience Hub, because I think in order to better contextualize what a Resiliency Hub is, First, you need to know what is energy resilience, right? So energy resilience, and bear with me because I'm about to get real technical here for about two minutes, so hang on with me. (laughs) Energy resilience is the ability to anticipate, prepare for, and adapt to changing conditions while withstanding, responding to, and recover rapidly from disruptions to the power grid through adaptable and holistic planning and technical solutions. So once we got that real technical term of energy resilience down pat, let's define, take that defined definition and let's approach, put that where our understanding of energy resilience is and let's create a space. So once we take that energy resilience, define it, understand it and create a space where we can apply this concept and practice to the community we now have what looks like in its practical application, a resilience hub, right? So when we go to technically talking about what a resilience hub is, technically, again, I'm going to go real technical here for about 30 seconds. There are community serving facilities that are augmented to support residents, coordinate communication, distribute resources, and reduce carbon pollution while enhancing the quality of life. Now, these hubs provide an opportunity to effectively work at the nexus of community resilience, emergency management, climate change mitigation, and social equity, while providing opportunities for communities to become more self-determining, socially connected, and successful before, during, and after disruptions. So real, real technical. Now I've done the technical portion. Let's break this down in layman's terms so we can get a better understanding of exactly what resilience hubs are. And what they are, are community tailored hubs that are just designed to address resiliency in three ways. The first way is to help people shelter from disasters and locations that are safe and trusted. The second way is that they provide the community with tools that strengthen community bonds and resiliency. And the third and final way is just they allow for communities of color and low income to have clean energy and reduce energy burdens. Wow. 
Thank you so much. I think it was really good to kind of get that technical background and the way you broke it down was, was really helpful to me to kind of just understanding the context behind resilience. So speaking on that, how do they work? How do they provide the community with these resilience in, in times of crisis? Absolutely. I think for me coming into the resiliency space, I needed that background information and I know a lot of people need that to connect it and just to make it make sense for everyone who's new to energy and just the landscape of resiliency. It doesn't have to be that technical and just think about it. They're dedicated safe spaces that have established trust and relationships that are already built within the communities they serve. Think of them like your youth centers, your community centers, your churches and civic centers that support these communities already. And they help them become more resilient with this energy as well as the response before, during and after to natural disasters or hazards. And two examples of this would be like providing shelter from extreme heat and cold, which we're experiencing extreme heat across the country as we speak right now. So this will be a perfect opportunity to get a better understanding of a resilience center and what it does in that aspect. And just operating as centers for distributing necessities like food and social services during and after disasters. These hubs can also provide day-to-day benefits as well, and they can also offer space and programming for community-building efforts that work towards increasing the community's overall resilience. So it's sort of like a one-stop shop in a community for the community made by the community. I love that. And I really like the term that you used, a designated safe space, because I think thinking about resilience hubs, you can sometimes think it's only, you know, in times of crisis. But even though when there's not time of crisis, this is still a trusted community center where the community can come together to develop and to grow and to just have that space to kind of invest within itself. So that's I I just really like the way you explain that. Thanks, Nora. I mean, it's it doesn't have to be so technical. And a lot of places across the United States, we have resilience hubs, but they just haven't been put to its full resiliency work, if that makes sense. I mean, these hubs are created to address those gaps in services or resources in communities that have typically and historically are in communities that are the unders, right? Underserved, underrepresented underfunded. And these communities, unfortunately, their voices are often ignored. And these resilience hubs address those gaps and allows for those voices to be heard. And not necessarily during times of crisis, but definitely during times of crisis before and after. Absolutely. And I I can hear the passion in your voice when you talk about resiliency hubs. That brings me to my next question, which is how did you get into working in the energy resilience field? For me, it's been quite an adventure to get here. So originally I started off in youth development and that passion for helping my community has always been there. I just did it in the capacity to help children. And I did youth development for close to 10 years in in New York City, in the Bronx and in Brooklyn. And if you know anything about New York City, it has a very dense population of youth. And those youth need places and spaces that are safe and places that create them who they're going to be as adults. And with that in mind, I did that youth development. I loved it. 
then I wanted to do a little bit more. And I rolled that into working in community and public engagement. And in that space, I got to engage with the community on a more governmental level, um, a more local city level, which I appreciate that because it allowed me the opportunity to put that love that I had that was being developed inside of me for my community and not only kids, but to service the entire family on a local government level and being in Groundswell, seeing the opportunity to grow that even more was something that I just couldn't pass upon. I mean, when you think about it, Groundswell is providing me the perfect mixture of social justice and building community power. And it allows me to be in a space where I can still be a part of the community while helping build the community as well. I mean, this I'm serving my I'm serving these communities, which are my communities as well. And it's a privilege. And Groundswell gives me that opportunity to continue to do that just in the sphere of energy. Thank you for um, sharing your journey to how you got here. And I might be throwing you a curveball here, but do you feel like um, in your past work experience, working in the community, working with children, do you think there are any key takeaways or any lessons that you are bringing here and that you can apply to energy resilience? Absolutely. Resilience was a word and still is a word that is heavily used in youth development. We have to, in that sphere, create a space where kids who are from these resilient backgrounds can thrive. So when we talk about resiliency, that's one of those key words that we definitely have used and continue to use in youth development because it's a big loaded word and we know that these kids are resilient and we want to make them more than resilient. We want to foster that resiliency. Tiffany, I think those were really, really great points you made, especially hearing the part about working with children and working with people whose voices are typically not heard. That just kind of makes me think about, you know, the future of resiliency hubs and just looking ahead. What do you see and what are your hopes for the future of resiliency hubs? So resiliency hubs, like literally the sky is wide open. The opportunity to is create that partnership between local organizations, local community, and these residents that are being aided by having these resilience hubs in their communities. It's it's unlimited. It's just, I'm so pleasantly happy that in the future, that if we get more of these resilience hubs, they just go so far to just building these type of great strengthened relationships that need to be created between the local government, local orgs, and these residents. I mean, this is these resilience hubs are going to create an opportunity to shift the power to the local residents by creating these spaces that allow them to identify and to drive solutions. And hopefully these solutions are long term and they're able to address these existing inequities that national disasters and hazards seem to bring a highlight to. And it's just unlimited potential there. There's so many things that resilience hubs can bring to the community. I mean, you talk about some benefits, public health and safety. They provide health programming in some of these hubs that are used as civic centers and community centers. 
you have the economic stability and job training that these resilience hubs can bring. You have workforce development and job programs that help lessen financial impacts from disruptions that can be brought into these resilience hubs. Not only to mention, again, and I know I spoke on it before, just the community cohesion. I mean, these are safe spaces and these safe spaces provide the opportunity to foster and build relationships to participate in decision-making and just foster a sense of hope in these communities, again, that are the unders, the underserved, the underfunded, the underprivileged, where hope often seems far and few in between. So I think you have those direct and indirect benefits of resilience hubs that potentially in the future can bring so much opportunity. And then you can't forget the energy aspect, right? Because essentially the green energy, you're improving your local air because you're reducing the dependency on fossil fuels. We're reducing utility bills, which helps providing community energy cost savings. You're teaching green energy to those that are impacted by these resilience hubs. So there's a lot of direct and indirect benefits that hopefully in the future, you know, people get a better understanding of what resilience hubs are and what they do. And they're more apt to saying, yeah, let's get that in these communities. I agree. And I just echo your point that I feel like the sky is the limit with energy resiliency. I think that as climate change becomes more severe, um, they are going to be something that's needed more, but that um, the efforts that we already have in the existing resilience hubs are just proof that it can really help a community to thrive from just the inside out and and to be a community-owned space, a community-owned safe space. Hearing all of the multifaceted kind of aspects of a resilience hub, I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of questions. Are there any frequently asked questions you get in your line of work about resilience hubs? I think the most frequently asked question is just simply, what is a resilience hub? You know, it seems so technical, but when you break it down, it's it's not. It's We are providing those three main points about what resiliency is and what it can be tailored to your community and what it addresses. So when you take those three ways in which resilience can be applied to these communities by helping them shelter from disasters, for providing the community with tools of resiliency and allowing those communities of color and low income to have green energy and reduced energy burdens, and you bundle them all at one microcosmic place that's the center of the community, the church, the civic center, the community center, I think it becomes really easier to digest and get a better understanding of what a resilient center is, which is like the most commonly frequently asked question that I get, what it is and what does it do? So I think just having that basic understanding and just equating it to your community centers with just a little bit more (laughs) than your normal community center. Most community centers may close during times of of natural disasters or hazards, and some do stay open, but their capacity to stay open is limited because with a resilient center, we ultimately take the solar energy that is provided and we store it in a battery and we use it during those times of 
when resilience is needed, that resilient energy is needed and we power those centers so that you can come and get those social services during a disaster and afterwards. You can come and store your medication if you if it needs to be refrigerated during and after a disaster. You can come here when it is 100 degrees plus and for whatever reason, you don't have the means to cool down your house or your apartment or your room. And you can come to that trusted center in the community and not only have that community bonding that's being formed, but also have a safe, cool place that's in your community that can provide you that same equity as anybody else. So I think just having those basic understandings of what a resilience center is, once someone gets that, I don't see anyone saying no to them. 100%. When you think about resilience hubs, it, they're, they're long-term kind of solutions to a lot of a lot of the issues that are affecting communities that are underserved, um, neglected, underfunded. And by creating a trusted community center that can provide workforce development, that can provide electricity, that you can store your medicine, and that could just be a really trusted place to go and be with your community. It, it's, it's such a reparative and kind of restorative program that helps the community long-term just continue to, to heal, um, especially when there are not that many outside resources that can be trusted, um, typically when thinking about certain communities. Like you said, it would be very, very hard to, to say no to that. So Tiffany, has there been anything that surprised you so far in your Resilience Hub journey? I would not say surprised, more of an ability to be able to connect my previous work in youth development to my work as a a resiliency program manager. I mean, you have so many different similarities. So not surprised, kind of surprised. I guess when you can think about that, Nora, a little bit surprised that there is such connectivity there, that there is a resemblance and there is a crossover. When you think about it, the communities that we serve at Groundswell are very, very, very similar to the communities that I've served working in youth development. It's just the capacity has changed. And where I was specifically working towards the youth, now I'm working more as a community in total. And it's it's the same. Groundswell is really stepping up to the plate to create those pathways to overcome those same inequities, those same social inequities that are doing harm to communities of color and low income, whether it's youth development and or energy. So just having those similarities there are the same. You have that same passion that you want to help foster in the youth. You want to foster in the community, especially with green energy, because oftentimes that's overlooked because it's not seen as a high priority on those lists of social inequities. But it is, because when you think about it, you have the right to have clean air. You have the right to have solar power generated facilities. You have the right to have these resilience hubs just like any other community. But for them, it's a privilege. For you, it's a right. And I think that's the type of right that every community needs to have. And thinking about how it overlaps with youth development, I fought for so many years to ensure that 
those voices, the youth, the adolescents were heard. And for resiliency, I want those voices in our communities to be heard from the elderly to those that are disabled, to those that are young and those that are just struggling to make it in the world. They have every right to have their voices heard as well. That was a great point, Tiffany. The work that we're doing here with Resilience Hubs is just amazing. And I'm just so glad to have a chance to sit down and speak with you. I mean, just hearing the passion in what you do. Although it might have been a change getting into the clean energy field, when the passion for community healing there and community development is there, I think it's you know more of an easy transition than you think when your heart's in the right place. Thank you. I appreciate that, Nora. Yeah, passion is passion, you know? <laughs> it makes the work easier. Yes, definitely, definitely. It's coming from a place of a place of love and, you know, just our groundswell values, you know, knowing that service is a privilege, as you mentioned before. You know, just speaking of resilience hubs and expansion and looking towards the future, um, how, how could interested parties get involved with our resiliency hub program? Yeah, definitely, Nora. So one can get involved in Resilience Hub. Simply, I'm going to, of course, direct you to groundswell.org. Our website gives you great information, right, on what a Resilience Hub is, the fact that we actually have three in Maryland that Groundswell is overseeing and help participate in constructing and getting all the financial backing in place for. Um, Start there. Also, I would say check with your local energy authority. They have grants now that are going out to get Resilience Hub started. Check with your civic centers, check with your churches, check with your youth development centers to see if that is an opportunity that they actually want to be to start and be interested in and seek funding by Speaking with local governmental officials, you know, resiliency is something that is not new, but is actually becoming more and more prevalent and more and more frequent as we speak. I currently work with a program in Maryland, and Maryland is one of those states among a few others that are big on um, energy resilience. So I would also check to see if the state or the municipality you live in is big behind it. And even if they're not, start speaking with people who can help push that along because everybody should be entitled to energy resilience. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for sharing these resources. And I'm going to go ahead and plug in something else, which is our YouTube channel. And we recently started a Resilience Hub FAQ series where yours truly, Tiffany, will be on there um, answering just for one of the first videos, um, your FAQs about Resilience Hubs. And go to our YouTube and subscribe and we'll be continuing to share videos that answer all of your frequently asked questions about Resilience Hubs. So definitely check out the YouTube videos. We plan to do a little bit more because we want people to have a better understanding of what energy resilience is and how groundswell plays an important part in ensuring that energy resiliences are are in these communities that need them. Definitely. And I just, I thank you for getting the good word out and just doing all the work that you do for the community. And I'm just so excited to see the future of Groundswell and its Resiliency Hub program. I think for final words, Nora, I would just say, of course, thank you for inviting me and having me here to speak about Resilience Hubs. 
And I also just like to point out that I know in this space of energy resilience and an energy, oftentimes there aren't faces that are similar to ours because we are women of color. But I like to encourage those that are of color, those that are of low income, those that are of just inquiring to what energy resilience is and resilience hubs are. Take the time out and do a little bit of research. Find out how you can get these spaces in your community. Find out how you can just make your community a better community, even by just reaching out to someone who does do energy resilience or resilience hubs, just to get a little bit more information and spread that word. You know, we want to have equality among all fronts, not just education, not just wealth and income, but also in energy. So I think my final words would be around the realm of just do a little bit more research and see if energy resilience is something that you could be interested in and or your community. You know, at the end of the day, no one knows what your community needs more than those who are in the communities themselves. So um, it's just really important to be an advocate for yourself. And that's why I also think it's important for people who look like us to be in these spaces, to to be a trusted source for the community, but also to, you know, let people know that there are women of color um, in the energy movement who are looking out for our community and are just looking to be an advocate and looking to be a resource. Um, And, you know, we're going to continue to spread the good word and just keep doing what we do. Absolutely. A thousand percent. I echo your sentiments. What a perfect way to wrap that up, Nora. Thank you so much, Tiffany, and thank you for joining us. And um, I'm sure we're going to have a lot more content from you down the line on resilience. So I'll keep an eye out for it. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. You need power to move. If we never fight, it's a battle we'll all.